One of the most difficult things that any Christian will face throughout their life is how after we come to Christ and have sworn allegiance to him to follow him and become his disciples, it doesn't necessarily mean that we just become perfect people. Oftentimes we have still something that we struggle with. And sometimes we find ourselves in this position where we we fail. We let God down as we feel. And then the next then we promise God we will never do that again as we repent of that sin. And then a day or a few days later, we fall into the exact same thing again, leading to this natural path of guilt, shame and condemnation. And as we face this, as this happens to us, we get drawn deeper and deeper into sin because we take our eyes off Yeshua as we focus on this ugly sin we want to run away from. We we keep looking at it. We we're we're hoping for it to to for us to stop indulging in it and we don't desire it, but it's as if our ability is not within us to look away from it and stop it. And this shame and guilt and condemnation, much like Adam and Eve, we feel like we need to run and hide in the bushes. You see, that's what they did. After the very first sin enters the world, they fall. And what is the first thing they do? They run, they hide in the bushes. God walks through the garden and he says, where are you? Why are you hiding? Did God not know where they were? Of course he did, but he was asking the question of why do you believe that I cannot fix this? Why do you believe that I have no grace and mercy? Why do you believe that our relationship is over with? You see, God is teaching us that he is bigger even than our faults, than our sins. I mean, that's difficult to imagine, but it's the truth. He is he is bigger than what we have done in our past. In fact, that is the gospel message that even though we made decisions that were rebellious against God, he still came and made a way. And that was what we call salvation. And we rejoice in that. And we we were happy about that. And we believe him in that. But why do we then when we fail him and brothers and sisters, even though we must run from sin, even though we must repent of sin, even though we must turn from all things that are unrighteous. The fact of the matter is the Bible says the man who says he has no sin is a liar, because the fact is that we do still make mistakes. And so when we do make mistakes, why is it that we believe in that way that God? Oh, well, yeah, no, now this was just even though God said he would save me from my sins and all this, he will give me salvation. Yeah, but I did made this mistake over and over and over. I, I failed and it's so obviously God cannot extend his mercy towards that. Of course he can. It is who he is. And this is what the scripture tells us, because see what Satan wants us to believe is, yeah, you'll get salvation. But you know what? Your sin of today is the very thing that will disqualify you from God forever. That's the sin of the guard. That's the, the lie of the garden that the enemy came with. 
that uh, that yeah you you made a mistake and this will divorce you from God forever. But God was bigger than that, and and John one John one verse nine he says if we confess our sins he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we confess, it says he will forgive us. You see, if we are serious in our repentance, in, in that we really truly desire to stop doing this, to turn from it, he will forgive us. This is the promise he gives us. But see, this whole idea of making the same mistake over and over and over again is an idea explored by Paul the Apostle in the Scriptures. He himself faced this just like any man of God has and will. And he explains this struggle that he has internally in Romans chapter 7 for us. And as he explains it, he, he says that what I don't want to do, I do. And what I want to do, I don't do. And by the end of this conversation, I want us to talk about how do we fight this tempta- these temptations and how do we overcome them? Before I get there, I want to explore a little bit of what Paul felt so you can understand that what you go through is not unique. Your battle with that sin, that thing that's been keeping you back, there's been people before you that have struggled with the same thing. And it's in the Bible for God to to communicate to us that I understand that the flesh in some aspects of your life may still have authority, but I have even made a way for that. You see, the biggest miracle is not only salvation, but the fact of his mercy, the fact that his mercy envelops us when we repent. So let me read to you Romans 7, 14, 4. We know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh sold under sin. For I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, for I do the very thing I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. So no, it, it, now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. Before I read on, it's interesting. He says the law is spiritual. The law of God, Ten Commandments and the other laws and the Torah, he says is spiritual. It's wonderful. But he says, I am the problem. I am in my flesh. I am under sin. Sin has dominion in my flesh. And then he says, I don't do things I don't want to do. I do. In other words, he goes on to say, I have the desire to do what's right, but I have the, have the ability to carry it out. I know what I want to do. I desire to please God. I desire what is right, but I don't feel like I have the ability to actually do what is right. Have you ever felt like that? I mean, I know I have, right? And let's read on. He says in verse 22, For I delight in the law of God in my inner being, But I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, 
Who will deliver me from this body of death? Okay, and he's, he's, he's coming and he's asking the million dollar question. I, I, I believe I'm saved, but, but even though I, I'm saying, I said, oh, Jesus, I'll follow you. I still do these things I don't want to do. And I fail God and I feel guilty and ashamed. Who will deliver me from this body of death? What a wretched man I am. And he gives us the solution. And he says in verse 25, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh, the law of sin. Like hallelujah, brothers and sisters. He is saying that that even though this dilemma feels so huge, this problem of doing the same thing over and the struggle with sin we have is so real and makes us feel so shameful. He says there is a solution and that Christ has even provided for that. And so when we when we read this, right, it's easy for us to to think, okay, but what does this really mean? Does this just mean that I can sin and that it's okay? Is Paul saying that, oh, no, you know what, you sin, but it's okay, you know, just don't worry about that, you know, because we've heard that preached in pulpits too. We've heard people preach greasy grace, if you will, saying that, you know, oh, you've sinned, don't worry about that, it's okay, you know, just, no, we should be concerned about our sin. We should repent of our sin. What does repentance mean? It first and foremost means to change the way you think, to change your mind, to change the direction of the way you think. Because in the in the changing of our mind and the way we think, that's the beginning of changing our actions. And so this is why he says, I serve with my mind the law of God. That above all is what my mind is inclined towards. I have repented towards trying my best, inclining myself to be obedient to God by following his law. But now he says, in my flesh, I still serve the law of sin. In other words, even though my mind is repentance, has repentance towards following God in my body, I still feel like there is sin that I fall into. But see, what is most important is what you serve your mind with. And so when you repent in your mind, slowly but surely the flesh starts following the more that we start taking authority over our own flesh. The Bible says that the carnal mind, the flesh, is that enmity with the spirit. And so we need to incline ourselves towards the spirit of God and let his spirit be what directs us and how we walk by. The way we discipline our flesh is taught to us by Yeshua, by Jesus. And he says in Matthew 26, 41, this is in the Garden of Gethsemane. He speaks to his disciples, right? They're about to be tempted to betray God, to betray Yeshua, like uh, Peter was about to be tempted to reject him when they were questioning him about who is he a disciple, right? And he says in the garden, watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Now, first off, it's interesting that this happens in a garden, the garden of Gethsemane, just like the garden of Eden, where Adam first fell. Now we're in the garden of Gethsemane, where the second Adam, the Jesus, the one who comes to fix what the fall, 
what Adam did in the fall. Now he is in a garden. And in this garden, he is also about to face a temptation. But unlike Adam, he is going to overcome it. But how does he overcome the temptation? This is the key. What is the secret, if you will, that he is now sharing of his disciples? He says, watch and pray. And if you recall what happened, they actually fell asleep. They didn't pray the way they should have. And that's, in fact, why Peter ends up denying Christ uh, three times. The famous thing that he does. But see, watch and pray. You know what's interesting is that, well, two things. Peter, even in his denial of Christ three times, making the same mistake, boom. Oh, I'm, oh man, what did I just do? He probably thought to himself. And then, boom, he did it again. And then, oh, what did I just do? How dare I have made that mistake? I told Christ I wouldn't do it, yet I did it. And then a third time. He makes the same mistake. Can you imagine the feeling of condemnation and guilt and shame that the enemy would come and try and place on Adam? That's that's what happened. But Christ, when he comes back, right, when he resurrects and he comes and he starts reappearing to the disciples, one of the first things he said is, where is Peter? Tell him I love him. Tell him I'm back. You know, so. Yeshua, his message is, if you make these mistakes over and over and over again, don't allow the enemy to put, put guilt, shame and condemnation on you and, and and make you feel like you need to run away. But in fact, the first thing that God is going to do is call your name. That's actually what's happening. My son, my daughter, where are you? Where are you? Come to me and I'll give you rest. I will give you freedom. I will give you deliverance. But the way that you come to him is by praying. And this is what he is saying. Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. When people have come to me and, and they say, Peter, I'm struggling with this temptation. I'm struggling with that temptation. I'm struggling with this sin. Help me. Help me. What, how can I do this? How can I overcome this? I want to be pure and holy. Usually the issue is an issue of a prayer life not existing the way it should at least. The issue is oftentimes, well, okay, how, what is your relationship? The bare bones, just your relationship with God. What does it look like? And that is, and, and your prayer life it would tell us a lot about what your relationship with God looks like. If that prayer life is non-existent, that relationship with God is suffering. Just like if your talk life with your wife was non-existing or barely existing, your relationship with your wife, your marriage would suffer. And so... If you are struggling with something, brothers and sisters, ask yourself, what does my prayer life look like? How much do I pray? Do I pray five minutes before I go to bed? It's not enough. Do I pray even in the morning when I wake up? Do I pray even in the afternoon? How much do I pray? You know, and, and there's no formula of, you know, you need to pray X, Y, or Z amount of time. This is between you and the Father, but I will tell you that ask yourself, how much am I praying and is that really how much I want to be? And is that actually enough to sustain a healthy, strong relationship with God? Because if it's not, then why are we shocked that temptations overtake us? Why are we shocked that we fall into the same sin over and over and over again? Yeshua said the spirit is, is willing, 
but the flesh is weak. So by praying, we make the spirit stronger. We allow the flesh to ourselves to have more self-control over our flesh and to discipline the flesh. In other words, um, it, it goes along with fasting as well. And that's another thing that we can do. That's a big blessing is incorporate fasting into your life. Um, because what we're basically telling our flesh is you're hungry right now. I'm not going to get you any food. You're not going to get fed. And you're basically exercising self-control because every time you say no to your flesh with its basic carnal desire of food, you are training yourself how to have dominion over your flesh and other aspects of your life, like saying no to sin, saying no to lust, saying no to that bottle of alcohol or or whatever, um, that temptation to gossip, that jealousy, whatever that sin is that sometimes envelops you. I want to read on, as I end this off, a few last verses here in Romans. In the, the next chapter of Romans 8, this is just basically continuing on with what we read earlier. Paul writes in verse 1, There is therefore now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ from the law of sin and death. For God God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin. He condemned sin in the flesh. Okay, so he is just speaking about how the law of God points out our sin. It shows us what sin is, but that's what it does. It does not cleanse us from that sin because ultimately it, if it tells you, the law tells you, do not do this. That's fine. Now we have the knowledge of what right and wrong is, but that in of itself is not the power and does not in of itself give us the ability to overcome it. You see, having knowledge, the world knows what's right and wrong, but yet they still flourish in evil. Because what they need is the power of the Spirit of God working in their hearts, changing their hearts. And so he is going on and he is saying that the the law cannot do this. But because Yeshua came and died, because God sent his son, he condemned sin in the flesh. So he destroyed sin in the flesh. In other words, when we are before God, God does not see our sin when he beholds us. But then when we face sin on this earth, when we have our struggles, we pray, we draw near to God. He gives us forgiveness and mercy. And in his forgiveness and mercy, we can say, Lord, I have I I I I ask for your forgiveness. We can trust that he forgives us and we can move on. We can look towards him because the more you look towards God, the more you pray, the more you draw near to him and focus on him. Guess what? The less you're just focused on this sin issue, this thing, you're, this sin. Oh, I, I shouldn't do this sin. It's like a cookie jar. Don't, t- don't, don't eat the cookies out of the cookie jar, you tell the child. And that's the very thing that it goes after the cookies. And so it is with our flesh. But if you simply teach your child to have a good and strong relationship with the father, 
He would not do what is evil because his eyes is on the Father. It's really difficult to sin when he's in the room. It's really difficult to sin when he is in the room. But you won't even know if he's in the room if you're not drawing near to him, if you're not praying. So, brothers and sisters, I want to leave you with that. God has come and he's drawing near to you and he's saying, I want you to be free. I have died not just for you to have salvation, to get into heaven one day, but I've died for you to be free today from your sins. It is possible. I want to proclaim to you, if you don't know this, it is possible to be free from all the sins that you are facing and struggling with. I'm not saying you're going to be perfect, but the bondages that you have, Christ died for you to be free from. And so, brothers and sisters, I encourage you, draw near to him like you've never drawn near before. Get on your face every day and spend a good amount of time with the Father and he will grant you freedom. And so as I end this off, I would like to just say that um, the Lord's prayer is incredibly powerful. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we have forgiven those who've trespassed against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For to you belong the power, the might and the glory forever and ever. When we pray, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. In the context of the Lord's prayer, that is incredibly powerful. And that's a wonderful place to start your prayer. So, brothers and sisters, may the Father bless you. May he keep you. May he shine his face upon you, lift up his countenance upon you, give you shalom, and may he give you blessing. And so, Father, I pray for everyone who is listening to this. Lord, I pray that you would give them freedom from every sin that they have struggled with and I'm struggling with. I pray, Lord, that you would come with your spirit right now. We speak to every bondage at the sound of my voice in the name of Yeshua. And I command it to leave in the name of Yeshua. Every spirit of oppression over the people listening to this. Lord, I thank you for your freedom, your mercy. Lord, we command every unclean spirit, Lord, that has dominion in the flesh of any person listening. We command that unclean spirit to go in the name of Yeshua. And Father, I thank you for your Holy Spirit to indwell and set free. We pray this all in the name of Yeshua. Amen and amen. Shalom.